Well, Merry Christmas, MCC. It's great to be with you guys today. For all of those of you who are joining us online, whether that's through Facebook or YouTube, or hopefully this message has a great shelf life and you find it somewhere out there in the future, uh, we are so glad that you would take some time and be here with us. If today is your first time with us, thank you. Thank you for taking some time out of your holidays uh, to be here with us. We know this is a busy, crazy season. Um, I, maybe for you at home, it is the same thing as well. Uh, we'd love to have a chance to get to know you and connect with you. If you're in person, I'd love to get to know you back there in the back after service. And if you're watching online, it's your first time, uh, we'd love to have a chance to get to, to get to know you as well. You can fill out one of those cards as well. Uh, MCC is a, is a open, honest, tra- transparent church. Uh, we're a church for a little bit of everybody, and we're uh, not all the way put together, and that's just kind of who we are. So uh, we thank you that you would take some time and be here with us today. I want to bring us all up to speed on what's going on kind of in this season so we don't miss anything. I know it's a lot, a lot of busyness, a lot of chaos. We send you about 73 emails a week and post on Facebook, but people can still miss things at the point that we feel like we're communicating just enough. You guys are just now hearing it, so I'm going to tell you some things that are going on. Sound good? All right. So uh, if you're here in person, uh, look back there in the back. You see a bunch of boxes. Okay, so there's a bunch of boxes. Uh, these are our Christmas boxes. And if you're here today and you didn't show up and you don't have one of these yet, you need to grab one of those when you leave. If you've got kids in your house, like elementary age kids in your house, you're going to need to grab one that's specifically for kids. We have workers back there. They'll make sure you get the right one. Um, if you're watching online in person, hopefully you picked one of those up at a drive through or you can swing by the office this week and we'll have one there for you as well. Uh, if it's just you and a spouse or you and you don't have any uh, little kids in the house, you can just grab one of the regular ones. Um, but those are going to be able to help you be able to experience Christmas Eve service and our December 27th, so the next following Sunday after this, you're going to be able to experience those services in there. And we have some some presents for you in there, okay? Boxed presents, okay? So one of the things that's in there is an ornament, and it's a simple ornament that kind of is a memento to surviving 2020. It's got a roll of toilet paper on it. It just says, I survived 2020. It'll look great on your tree, so make sure you get it and take it home. Another thing that's in there is we got some uh, special made uh, McDonough Christian Church masks. Almost everywhere you go nowadays uh, requires that you wear one of those, so why not represent your church because you love her? Um, uh, everywhere that you go, uh, and a, just disclaimer, you're going to have to stretch that bad boy out to fit it on your face. They are one size fits all, but you're going to have to stretch it, especially if you got one of those big old heads. Um, those are in there. Now, remember, December 27th, we are doing everything online. So if you show up here on December 27th, it's just going to be you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, nobody else will be here with you. Um, everything is going to be online that day, and you need the box to be able to really participate in that. There's some special things in there that will go along with that service that you can do to keep it interactive for you and your family. We did all of that with you in mind, so make sure you get a box. Who needs the box? Everybody. That's right. All right. Uh, this year, Christmas Eve, uh, if you haven't looked at your calendar, Christmas Eve is on December 24th this year, and so I need you to be here uh, to celebrate Christmas Eve with us together. Uh, we have three services, okay? One at five, here in person. One at seven, here in person. And one at seven, if you're watching online, okay? The seven o'clock is going to be the one online, so um, you can invite people to any of them. There's an event on Facebook. Share that thing out. Let the word go um, and spread the news as far and as wide as we can. Now, I'm telling you all this, and I know this is true. Unfortunately, some of you, I will not see you again until January. You're, you're like, you're already in January. You're already on Christmas. Like, you're shopping at Target on your phone right now as I talk. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here. But I want to point you to what we're going to be diving into in January. Because one of the realities that have, has happened in 2020 is we have all come to this question most likely. 
with COVID, with all the things that are going on, with things that feel like, hey, this is like the apocalypse, maybe, I'm just guessing here, most of us have asked us this question, what happens when I die? What, what happens, okay, say I do get super sick and, and, and I do pass away. Well, what happens? Like, is, is, do I have a soul? Do I go to heaven? Do I go to hell? Like, we have tried to make sure our houses essentially in, are in order from an eternal perspective. And all of us, whether or not you've gone to church for your entire life and you know Jesus, or you're just a person who's coming in and you're exploring faith, which we're glad you're here, we're glad you're watching. This is the right place to be. All of us have questions about what the afterlife is going to be like. Questions from will there be pets in heaven to will I know my wife or my spouse in heaven to will I see grandpa in heaven to is there this middle ground where you hang out when you didn't do enough good things to go to heaven because my grandmama's church, they talked about that kind of thing. We're going to be talking about what heaven is, how you get there, and what hell is and how you get there. We're going to talk about the afterlife. And I know that some of your biggest questions, I believe, through God's word, not through my wisdom or intelligence, because there's not a whole lot of that on the table, but through God's word, we're going to look at some of those big questions. I'm telling you guys this, as most people here today who are kind of church people, in front of your chairs, in the chair back pocket, there's one of these. Okay, I want you to take one of those out right now. All right, I'm going to wait on you to do it. Take one of those out, grab this. This is yours, all right? If there are two in there, take them home. Like, we paid for these, okay? So, so like, or, and when I say we, I mean we. Like, we paid for these. Like, you, if you give, this is what you give to. We give to see the gospel go out to reach other people. There are people in our community who are asking these big questions as well, and we want to help answer them together. So take this. Um, one of them you can put somewhere where people may see it. Take the other one and give it to somebody. Let this be an invitation. I don't know if you need to spray it in Lysol or do whatever you need to do, but give this to somebody. Mail it to them so it's got plenty of times for all the germs to die. I don't know, but get this in somebody else's hand. And again, if you lose this, it's going to be online. You can invite people there as well. All right, let's pray. And we're going to dive into God's word. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing. Father, as we talk about what we're going to be doing in January, God, I know the reality is um, we are in right now. We are in this moment. So God, let us not get too ahead of ourselves, but realize you have brought us here for a reason and for a purpose into this moment. And Jesus, I pray for the skeptic. I pray for the wondering. I pray for the brokenhearted, the one who is looking for any sort of joy this holiday season, who's not feeling it, that they would know that you are here with them in this moment. That, as you said in the story we're even going to read today, you are God with us. And so speak to us. Be with us. Let your word guide us and change us. And don't leave us like we walked in today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So Christmas is coming up. Did anybody do like big Christmas photos yet? Anybody do any of that kind of stuff? Anybody a Christmas photo thing? Like you got a big tradition for that? Now, now this year everybody's like six foot apart Christmas photos. Uh, we're talking about doing that with our, our, we're having a staff Christmas party next. And I was thinking like, okay, we're going to have to do a staff Christmas party, but we're going to have to do a Christmas photo where we're all like, you know, this, this apart and it's going to be giant. We're going to have to get on the stage to be able to do it. But we take these photos at Christmas time and photos often represent what was happening in the moment. And when you think about pictures, I want to show you a couple and see what kind of emotions they evoke for you. So check out this first picture here. All right. 
So if you're watching online, I mean, this is like the type of family you think, I mean, this is, this is what's happening in your house right now, right? Like you guys just got the Christmas presents. Somehow people from every tribe, tongue, and nation exist in your home. That's just how things are. Everybody's getting along, even though they look different. They uh, probably vote different and they think different. There's even somebody who has red hair in there and she seems happy. Um, there, are two, there are two children in the room, and, and, and they're, they're behaving and doing the things that are right and kind. Um, they haven't torn into the presence. There seems to be no evidence of tears. And for some reason, either people are, are, are raising their hand to say, I want hot chocolate, but, but they're, they're happy, okay? I want to show you another picture. This one is, is a little bit more confusing, but still just so picturesque and, and, and perfect. Um, what you've got is, is a family, and, and these two little girls, they got a dog for Christmas. And as you pay attention to the dog, one of the things that you realize is these two little girls are so well-behaved that they have learned how to equally share this new dog that they got. One of them has the top half, and one of them has the bottom half. Just perfect. For some reason, dad is taking a picture with a new iPad. I don't know why he would take a picture with an iPad, or maybe that's just how big phones are in the future. The grandparents are in town. Um, they're not complaining about how breakfast was. They're not saying, I can cook cinnamon rolls better than you, wife. They're not doing any of those things. They're hugging the kids. Everybody seems to be getting along. And my question is, are these the type of pictures of your Christmas season? Like when you picture Christmas in your household, is it anything like this? Like, and I left the stock picture stuff on there on purpose to show, like, this is stock. And stock means fake. And I think so many times we, we get into this mindset of what Christmas is supposed to be like, and we get mad that the picture that we are trying to get to, this place where our kids equally share dogs, and we're taking pictures with iPads, and everybody's just joyful, and for some reason, we're so joyful in our house, we're just raising our hand when people take pictures. Like, our face didn't just smile, but our arms went up for some reason. All of these things don't really seem to be what we're seeing. Because 2020 has been a year that, guys, for all of us, has not been what we pictured. We pictured it differently. And for a lot of us, the things that we pictured being different that came to fruition in 2020 just highlighted or exacerbated the things that were already happening in our lives that weren't as we pictured. Well, I never pictured to be 30 and still single. Well, I didn't picture to not have children yet. I had picture going through a divorce. I didn't picture cancer. I didn't picture my, my in-laws moving into my house. I didn't picture these things. Why are the things happening? Not what I pictured we all have those moments in life where what we thought would be happening is not what we seem to be happening. And so the question is, what do you do when what you're picturing and what you're seeing have a huge gap in between? For a lot of us, we get really frustrated. We give up. A lot of us blame the people around us who are in our picture but don't really have anything to do with creating it the way it was. Today we're going to read a story about a young man a young man who I believe if there is something in your life, if there is a scene playing out right now and things are going not as you had pictured them going, I believe you will be able to relate to him. If you got a Bible, I invite you to go to Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to start out today. Matthew chapter 1. We're in this series called Great Joy, 
and we're looking at this Christmas story and seeing how God brought situations that were not necessarily ideal in the moment and brought them to a place of joy. And last week we talked about the Virgin Mary and we talked about how she went from a place of despair and confusion to a place of joy. And today we're going to look at the man she was betrothed to. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 is going to be where we start. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, now there are kids in the room, so I don't need to explain exactly what that means, do I? I'm going to take the silence as a yes. Um, that means that they uh, have not consummated their marriage yet. She was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit, which again, I know that verse right there is like she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. What in the world does that mean? I don't have time to explain all of what that means today right here in this message. I would say go back and listen to last week's message. We got into that a little bit there. But God has shown up to her. She has said, I know you're a virgin. I know that there is a certain thing that has to happen for a baby to be born, but that thing's not going to be ha- having to happen here. The Holy Spirit is going to overpower you and overshadow you, and you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, I want to walk you through, though, we talked last week about Mary's story. Now Joseph has entered the scene. Now these two, this young couple, uh, they, they were likely somewhere between 14 and 17 years old. We get this idea that Mary and Joseph were just this you know, 21-year-old couple who had already had their life somewhat figured out. No, 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 no. And that day and age and culture, once you were a young woman who had essentially passed through puberty, you were getting set up to be uh, arranged marriage with somebody else. And that's what's happening in this story. They are not engaged as much as they are betrothed. A little different there. Betrothed means like it's contractual. It is as, as good as happened there hasn't been a wedding yet in order to break off a betrothal you had to go before a court and you had to do all these things because it was an official law bound engagement not like how today if you're you have a fiance and you decide you don't want to go through with the wedding you just make it facebook official and you move on we talked about that last week it's different so they are betrothed she's betrothed to this man named joseph we go on to see kind of what happens from here Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, so again, let me walk you through this story and put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Again, when we read the Bible, don't just read the Bible. Feel the Bible. Be in the Bible and see what's going on in these moments. So an angel shows up to Mary. And tells Mary that she's going to give birth to this boy who is going to be God on earth, the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit is going to make this happen. Mary, in her fear and confusion, does not go tell Joseph. She goes and tells her older cousin, Elizabeth. And at the end of that story that we read last week, you may have missed this little detail. She gets the message from the angel. I believe she packs her sleeping bag that night and goes to be with Elizabeth. And the Bible tells us that she spent three months with Elizabeth. So three months, she's away from Joseph. And again, when you're betrothed, it's a little bit different. You're not expecting to see the person every single day. You're like, you know we're married, so it's like, eh, I don't gotta go, you know, take you on dates and stuff like that. It's just like, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. So this was not abnormal for them to go three months without seeing each other. But she comes back. And the Holy Spirit born baby inside of her has now been growing for three, maybe four months, she shows up to Joseph and begins to tell him the story. (laughs) 
that she has been visited by an angel and that she's going to give birth to this angel and it's going to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and Joseph, I mean, we can just infer by the text, is going, you're crazy. We can fill our blanks in his emotions and going, you're, you're wild. Like, we all, met fellas in the room, we know what we would be thinking right now, right? Like, you're, you're crazy. And you're a liar. But it's not just that. I want you to read with me again that verse that we read a second ago. Because we read this and we paint Joseph as this man who just was really tender-hearted and really cared. But I think that's selling short of the emotional dilemma that he had found himself in. It says, and we're going to verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was two things. Faithful to the law, yet did, yet did not want to expose her to public shame. A lot of times we read those as two things heading in the same direction. When the reality is, that is actually Joseph being torn between two things. So when it says that he was faithful to the law, other Bible translations say there that he was just or he was a righteous man. So we read that and we say, okay, Joseph was just and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. But that's not really what's going on here. What is trying to be communicated to us is that Joseph was righteous and he lived his life according to the book. That's the type of young man he was. Because of that, he could have been fully justified and completely okay and not under any penalty and not having sinned at all if, if he had allowed Mary to go and receive the full extent and punishment for being an adulteress, which in that culture wasn't pretty. If it ended with public shame, it would be a good day. If it ended with being stoned to death, it would be what would kind of be expected. And so he's torn between, I have every right to do this, but I love this woman. I care for her. I don't want to see anybody shamed. And I know she's going to get shamed, and I would get shamed in the same thing. So it's not Joseph, it's not two things going to say, well, I'm a good guy, and I don't want her to be public shamed, so I'm going to do the right thing. No, Joseph is saying, there is a right thing, and then there's a right thing, and I don't know what to do. And we've all been there of going, I don't know. What I love here, and I think this is a little bit of a message within the message, is Joseph picks a person over a policy. He chooses to do what love requires and not what the law requires. And we'll even see Jesus do this in his life. And so what he begins to do is he tries to figure out a way to do this quietly, to, to kind of, you know, just allow this to not be something where she's publicly shamed and she's publicly kind of laid out there. And I want to walk you through in this what I believe are Joseph's journey to joy. So if you're taking notes, we're going to walk through three things that I believe are part of his journey to joy. And I say journey because I don't know for 100% that he really got there. Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details on Joseph's life, but what I see is Joseph being obedient. And I know that the precursor to experiencing the joy of God is obedience to that God. And so the first thing that we see that's step one on Joseph's journey to joy is he considered what was happening. So if you want to begin to find joy in the midst of a season where your life isn't going as is pictured, then I believe we too need to consider all that is going on. Look at verse 20. So, you know, verse 19 ends with saying he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. Then verse 20 says, but after he considered this. Okay? So he considered this. Now, I believe Joseph was doing what was right before the angel even showed up to him. He was already taking the right steps in the right direction. 
because he already began to act not how most of us men in this room tend to act when situations like this happen. Now again, guys, fellows in the room, fellows watching online, listen, I know like the women in our lives can tend to make rash, snap decisions and say things that they shouldn't and do things that they shouldn't and buy things that they shouldn't. But guys, we kind of know that that's the hat we wear more often than not. Like, there's not a whole lot of wives who just showed up one afternoon with a boat. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> you, you got a boat today? Okay, all right. Like, that's us. But what I love about Joseph, and what I think we can learn, male, female, is that when things aren't going as we plan for them to go, when the picture of what we thought life would look like is not what it actually is looking like, slow down, stop, and consider all of what is on the table. Consider other people's perspective. Consider what is actually going on. Consider the emotions and what it's like to be in the other person's shoes who you're really confused and maybe even really angry with. He stops and he considers. And this buys enough time for an angel to show up to him and say what is said in the next verse. When it says he considered this, the angel, I believe, comes and shows up to him It says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. See, Joseph did one of the things that's really hard for us to do, and he considered. He weighed out all the options. And the angel comes and he tells them that, Joseph, while you had some things in mind, God has some things in store. And man, I just wonder how much confusion in my life I could have avoided had I just really stopped and considered what was really going on. And I love this verse. I mean, it says Joseph had a plan in mind. And I think it's super, I don't know, I guess this is the way God works. And it's a question I don't have an answer for you to today as a pastor. But why does God wait till we have plans to interrupt them? I don't, I mean, it's, it's what we see here. I've seen him do it a million times in my own life, and you have too. There's something about his character that he likes to do that. And maybe, maybe it's because what he has in store is better than what we had in mind. So we see what I believe is the next step of this process here, and the second step in his journey to joy, is as the angel tells him this, he has to choose faith over fear. That's the second step. And for us, in the lives that we live, where where we're experiencing things that aren't necessarily how we thought they would be, I think this is another step for us to get to joy too, is we have to choose faith over fear. Specifically speaking here with Joseph, I'm talking about fear of what other people would think about him. I mean, raise your hand if you're watching online. Like how many of us are afraid of what other people think about? Just, you know, press a like in the comment or whatever. If you're here in person, how many of you have times in your life where you'd be willing to admit that you sometimes are afraid of what other people would think about you? Okay, everybody with their hand down is afraid of what other people think about them if they raise their hand. <laughs> we are afraid of those things. We, we wonder, we, we're curious, we, we want to fit in. But listen to what the angel says. And I believe God, he, it, reverberating through the courts of heaven, hears Joseph's inner dialogue as Mary shows up to him and tells him these things. And sends the angel to directly speak into what he's afraid of. So listen to what the angel says in verse 20. 
So, but after he considered all the, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, look at what the angel says. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Don't be afraid to take Mary home. Now, who is at home? Other people. And so I don't know what was going on all in Joseph's head, but if I had to guess, there was something like, what is my mama going to think? What, what's, what's big mama going to think? What, what, what's dad? What, what are my family going to think? What are the people at home? And so the angel shows up and directly goes, don't be afraid to take her home. I know that's going to be a place where people are going to go, hmm, like even through her loose garments, I can see that there's something showing. Maybe Mary's wearing it in her face like some women do when they're pregnant. I don't know. But they're telling that, hey, you guys have not got married yet, and Mary has some married stuff going on. What's up with that? And one of the things that we realize here in this passage is that in regards to me and you, if we want to live out God's plan, his will for our lives, and regardless of whatever we're facing at the given moment, we got to understand that pleasing God, following after him, pleasing God often starts with disappointing people. It's really hard to not disappoint anybody in your life and please God in every aspect of your life. And one of the things that I figured out and found out in my life, and I would tell you to take notes on this as well, is that if you're not, at any given moment of your life, if you're not ready to be criticized for obedience to God, then you're probably also not ready to be used by God. That the fastest way to never take an arrow, to never take some criticism, is to say nothing, do nothing, and stand for nothing. But if you want to be used for God, you're going to get criticized. People are going to look at you like, hmm, I don't really understand that. I mean, think about Mary and Joseph. Literally, I mean, put yourself in Mary's shoes. There is something growing inside of her for nine months that everybody around her is looking at her and going, you are the town whore. It's only between her and God that she knows that the thing that's actually growing inside of me is from God. And you're going to go through seasons like that. Where God is growing and he's developing something inside of you and it may feel painful from other people coming to you, but man, it may just have to be just you and God knowing that something is being born, something is being developed, and it is something that he did and that I'm walking through. So for us, in regards to fear, we, like Joseph, have to get over a fear of other people because most of the time, when we have a way things want, we wanted things to be, the thing the way we wanted things to be pictured as, and they fall short, they, we don't just get angry at that because we know about it in our isolated homes. We get angry about it like that because we look around and we see all our other friends and family members who have lives that are actually looking like what we want ours to look like. I'm preaching too good now. You guys are quiet. Um, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Um, that's our reality. And so my question in life, like if, if you're not getting what you pictured, maybe the question is, is where did you get your picture from of what you thought life was going to be like? Did you get it from your older brother, your older sister? Did you get it from what you saw on TV? Did you get it from Instagram? Did you get it from This Is Us? Or what I would call emotional pornography? Like, where is, your, where is your picture coming from? Because that's your expectations. And we get afraid when our expectations don't match up to what we're seeing because we know that everybody else around us sees the same thing as well because we have uh, almost this requirement to give updates on what our life is experiencing. Like, we got to post a picture of, of our family at Christmas and they're all going to know who's not there and what they're doing. 
We've got to post our tree, and it doesn't look like their tree. We've got to do these things. See, nothing will kill the joy that I believe God wants you to have in this season, like comparing your life to other people. And Joseph, I believe, realized this, and I believe that's one of the reasons he actually experienced joy. Let me ask you a question. Who in this story, Mary or Joseph, do you think had the harder job? Now, men in the room, I'm just going to caution you as you get ready to answer this question. You got Mary, and you have Joseph. Who, again, I, sometimes I ask you these questions, they're really the right answer. This one is just sheer opinion, not, I'm just curious. Uh, who, who thinks Mary had the harder job? All right, good bit of people raising their hand, that's good. Just because we're in a sermon about Joseph doesn't mean that Joseph is the right answer either way. Um, who thinks Joseph had a harder job? Yeah, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I can definitely see where you're coming from on that. Because when you think about Joseph's life, it's a little bit different than Mary's situation. You know, and you can look at the, the passage in the Bible. I'll show it to you. You know, Matthew um, chapter 1, verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Well, physically speaking, Joseph's definitely got the easier job. Mary's got to give birth. He's got to give a name. Like, I'll take Joseph's job any day of the week. That's terrifying to think about as a male. But I think, it's, I think it's funny that, you know, Mary has this song that we sing during this season. You know, Mary, did you know? And the reality is, guys, Mary knew. Like, it's her body. She knew that she had never been with a man because it's her body. She knows. She knows this is from God. But Joseph doesn't have a song because it'd be really short. Joseph, did you know? No. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea. I did not know. I was clueless. And, and guys, that's, that's where faith is. Faith is in someone I love has said this. God has showed up to me and spoken this. I'm still doubtful. I still don't have all the proof I feel like I need to be able to experience the reality that God is with me in this and he's working in this. And then that's the whole message that, I mean, when the angel showed up and, and began to explain this to Joseph, look at what he said. He says, what is in her is from me. What is in her is from the Holy Spirit. And it's God's way of saying, I am in this. And my message to you is God is in this with you. And that is just so evidenced by the next passage and the whole point of the Christmas season and the Christmas series that we're even in, Matthew 1.22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in the midst of a life circumstance that does not make sense, in the midst of a picture that we're currently living in that doesn't look like how we pictured it, in the midst of not all the evidence and sure facts that we wish we would have, the thing that gives us hope is not knowing that all those things are met, or there's this big gap in between, but gives us hope knowing that Jesus is in that gap, that God is with us. That is who he is. That's why his name is Emmanuel, that he is not a God who we have to work to go get to, that he is a God who is with us in confusion and doubt and fear, 
and anxiety and depression and being overwhelmed with what our circumstances currently are, he's saying, I am with you. And because of that, I believe that's why we see Joseph take the third step to joy, which is the most essential step to joy. You can have steps one and two, and you will never truly, I believe, experience it without step three, Joseph obeyed. The third step to experience the joy, if we're going to look at Joseph's life and see what he did to, I believe, experience it, is he obeyed. Matthew 1, 24, 25, it just says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He woke up, and he did what God said. And some of you, that may be the message for you today. Wake up and do what God said. He woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord said, and he took Mary home, again, to the place where he was going to face ridicule, questions, sideways looks. He took Mary home as his wife, but did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. It was only going to get harder for him from there. It was only going to get tougher for him to be able to experience joy from there. But he, he experienced the reality that I'm hoping you can experience in this. is that obedience is a precursor to experiencing the joy of God. You'll never begin to experience the joy that God has in store for you in your life unless you're willing to obey. And I believe that obedience, the precursor to obedience, is trust. To say, God, I trust you that despite this not looking like I think it should look, I'm trusting that you are in this with me, so I'm going to obey what you're calling me to do, and then I'll experience the joy that I believe you have in store. Now, I tell you all these things, this this journey, this walk through Joseph's uh, journey to joy of, of going from a place where he really considered what was on the table, where he had more faith than he did in fear of man, and where he obeyed God. But all of these three things... I don't tell you these things to point to Joseph as this hero. I show you these three things because these three things about Joseph's lives actually point to and find their greaterness and trueness actually in the life of Jesus. So the way we see Joseph navigate the birth of Christ is actually what we see Jesus doing in his death, burial, and resurrection. If you have a Bible, look how Joseph points to Jesus. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. We're going to see everything that Joseph did in the story that was right point in a much truer and greater way to what Jesus did. The verse says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That means he started it and he finished it. Now read this next part right here. Eyes on this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What? That should cause you great confusion. That should make you stop for a second. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In the same way that Joseph considered what was going on in this moment, I want you to understand and see here that when it says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, it wasn't that he found joy in the event of the cross. He found joy in the guaranteed outcome of the cross. And that's what he was considering. 
primarily, he was considering three things in that moment. First thing he was considering was, it is going to bring me great joy to honor my father by doing his will. Second thing he was considering, it is going to bring me great joy by bringing all of God's children back into his family. The third thing he was considering, it is, is going to bring me great joy to defeat Satan as I go to the cross and give my life. And when it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, those three things were what were bringing him the joy that it took to endure the cross. See, it's a whole different thing to go through something in life that's painful when you know there's a purpose behind it. There wasn't some magical way where Jesus, while he was on the cross for me and you and to glorify God and to defeat Satan, there wasn't just some way where he was up there that he just magically stopped feeling the, the hair being plucked out of his beard and he didn't feel the crown of thorns in his head and he didn't feel the nails in his arms and feet. He didn't just magically not feel it. No, he felt every single bit of it. But he counted it joy because he knew what the outcome of it would be. It would be that you would be able to cross the chasm that your sin and my sin created so that you could be with your Father in heaven. And it says, continuing on that verse, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. We don't use that word scorn a whole lot in our society. But what that means is, is he rejected the shame that was associated with the cross. Only the worst criminals, the most vile people, rapists, murderers, thieves, rebellious people were the ones who went to the cross. And it says that Jesus actually rejected the shame that was due someone going to the cross. He says, I'm not looking at this as something that I am ashamed of. Maybe you've never heard that before or thought about that before. But Jesus was not ashamed to go to the cross for you. He went with joy. And from our human perspective, if the earth looks on and sees Jesus on a cross, we see Jesus on a cross and we go, yeah, that really doesn't make sense. A king shouldn't be there. Someone who is the son of God shouldn't be experiencing this. But Jesus looks at us and he says, I'm not concerned with the fact that you may have had a better way of doing this. I am making a way for you to be with my father. And this is the only way that I can do that. And that's how he proves to us that he is fully considered the cost and he has paid it in full. That's why he shows us that he has rejected the shame, the fear of man, any of that to say, I don't count it as shame and I'm not ashamed of you. So don't be ashamed of yourself because I went through this to redeem, restore, and make you whole. So come to me as broken as you are right now. It says, because of that, he scorned the shame and he endured the cross. And I love how the verse ends, and I hope it brings you courage as you walk into whatever is in front of you. Scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, here's another consider for you. This is the consider I want to leave you with today. Verse 3. When life doesn't look like you thought it would, when family isn't how you pictured, when you're 34 and single, when everybody around you is popping out kids left and right and you're struggling with for infertility, when you just got a cancer diagnosis, Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, I don't know what the holidays is bringing you. I don't know what 2020 brought you. And I don't know what 2021 is going to bring you. 
But friends, consider Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross so that you would not grow weary and not lose heart. And know, friends, that you don't have to do this alone. That we here, we're here to support, we're here to pray. I'd love to, however I can, to be able to pray with you today. If you're going through this season, it's, it's hard and it's painful and it's complicated. We're here for you. We want to pray for you. If you're online, you need prayer. If you're online, you want to give your heart and your life to Christ, you can fill out that link and we'll be in touch with you. And I can't wait to be able to celebrate what God's doing in your life. But friends, there's been a way made for us to be a part of this family of God. And the song we're getting ready to sing, it, it makes that declaration very clear that even though we may not see it, he's working. Even though we may not feel it, he's working. That God's silence does not mean God's absence. He's there, he's with you right now. And I pray as you sing, you declare this from a place of faith and hope, knowing that it is true and it is well. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for guiding us, Father, to a place where we can find our hope in you. As my friends and family in the body of Christ sit before me today, God, I pray for those who are beat down, who life is not just not like what they pictured it, but the picture that it is, God, they're, they're hanging on to it by a thread. I pray they find hope in you today, God. I pray that we can help, God. I pray that you would just send even a whisper of a word into their heart right now to remind them and to let them know that you are with them, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for coming into a cradle and a manger. And we thank you for going to a cross and an empty tomb. Let us not miss the joy you have for us because of the joy you endured for us. In your name, amen.